Trump's hair, Donald Trump's hair. A girl could get lost in there, way up in there, in Donald Trump's hair. Good Monday morning to you, 5.36 the time on Talk Radio 790 KABC. Royal Oaks in for Doug McIntyre. Rob Marinko, good morning to you. Good morning, Royal. Merry Christmas. Hope you had a good one. Thank you. You too. Excellent. You were super last week filling in for Dr. Drew. Great job. Too kind. Thank Uh, you. You you were courageous. Yes. Folks, if you didn't hear Rob's attack on the lunch lady... (laughs) The poor lunch lady. She was probably 90 years old and a little boy who didn't have a dollar seventy to pay for lunch. Oh, you remember the exact amount, and, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, and so she said, oh, don't worry, honey. Here's, here's some food. I know you're hungry. So they fired her for giving away the district's food, and you supported the school yeah, district. Yeah, I think they did the right thing. Yeah, and you what, got you heartless. Some, he was heartless, but he got <laughs> he got hit upside the head by the callers. I'll say that they they were not happy. <laughs> no, with Rob. In other words, you did your job as a talk show host. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, Donald Trump is doing his job as a candidate. Boy, is he doing his job. And uh, we've got Diane Gallagher, uh, who's our correspondent, to help us sort through this. Uh, Diane, welcome to the program. How are you this morning? I'm doing well. How are you, Royal Rob? Doing great, doing great. Uh, so Donald Trump has uh, used a Yiddish word that I think uh, maybe you can say on the radio. Uh, he said that Hillary was schlonged by Barack Obama back in 2008. And then he, he also said that when Hillary uh, took a bathroom break during the debate, that was disgusting. Now, it, finally at last, uh, uh, Diane, has Donald gone too far or no? <laughs> Well, you know, we're still sort of waiting to figure out what too far means in uh, in this election cycle here. Yeah, he's redefined too far, I He think. has redefined too far. Um, you know, many people thought initially that would be the the moment. Uh, apparently it has not been. His support continues. Uh, he's still leading. And uh, he has, though, sort of embarked on a new rivalry, if you will, uh, with the Democrats. So he's not just punching around the other Republicans that he's running against at the moment. He's moved on to the Democrats, and um, specifically Hillary Clinton and uh, her husband, former President Bill Clinton. You may remember that uh, Donald Trump and the Clintons were pretty good friends before he started running for president, too, Royal. Um, you know, they were they went to his wedding. Sure. Uh, they spoke quite a bit. They, they he, he lauded their friendship before starting to run for president, but now he's accusing uh, Hillary Clinton of using the woman card, as he calls it, the war on women card. Right. Um, he, this was because she didn't respond directly to that Yiddish word uh, and the bathroom break comment, but she did say that the candidate had a penchant for sexism. Uh, Trump took that to heart. Then he started talking about the woman card, and in uh, his very familiar tweet storms to us now, uh, he wrote, Hillary Clinton has announced that she is letting her husband out to campaign, but, and in all caps here, he has demonstrated a penchant for sexism so inappropriate on the Sunday morning shows. He continued gloating about uh, turning her words against her there. Right. And a lot of his focus now is turned to uh, Hillary and Bill Clinton. Hillary did announce that Cl- that her husband is going to be going out on the campaign trail for her. So uh, well, let me ask you this, Diane Gallagher. You make a really good point about him training his guns on Hillary. Do you think that is a measure of his confidence, saying to himself, 
Well, I've been sparring with these fellow Republicans for months, but, you know, now uh, I think I'm going to make it, so let's go after the main adversary. Or do you think he's maybe doing that in order to establish himself in the minds of people as, oh, well, sure, it's logical he's going after Hillary because he is going to be the nominee? I think it's a mix of those because, one, those are logical, like you said. I mean, if you're a candidate and you have advisors, they're going to tell you at some point you can't, you know, quote, punch down. You've right. got to stop letting the, the trolls or anything else get to you. And in his case, I think he views <laughs> a lot of these other candidates the as... The trolls, that, that's a harsh word to use about Huckabee and Bush no, no, and the no, no, rest. No. I, I guess what I mean there is uh, the trolls meaning, you know, you're not supposed to, when you're a candidate, get into oh, okay. fights with people. You're not supposed <laughs> right. to worry about people who are, you know, have three followers and an egg. You're not supposed to do that stuff. Trump does it. He does everything that appears to be illogical, and he continues to rise in the in the standings here. But I would also say that I think that a lot of this has to do with the fact that uh, Donald Trump takes a lot of this stuff very personally, too. Uh, you know, she, the, the firestorm that surrounded that phrase, you know, that word he used and, and talking about her bathroom break, the fact that Hillary Clinton sort of called him sexist there, even though she didn't use his name, I think he took that personally and felt that he had to fire back. Uh, yeah. it, it seems that no matter where somebody's polling, if they attack him, he attacks them back. He can't just let that go by the wayside. And that's something a lot of politicians don't do. They Absolutely. just let it go by the wayside if they're not pulling anywhere near you. So, well, let's let's let Donald uh, speak for himself. We've been talking about uh, some of his uh, comments. Uh, here we go. Hillary, that's not a president. That's not. She's not taking us to the, Everything that's been involved in Hillary has been losses. You take a look. Even a race to Obama. She was going to beat Obama. I don't know who'd be worse. I don't know. How does it get worse? But she was going to beat. She was favored to win. And she got schlunged. She lost. I mean, she lost. It just it just comes trippingly off his tongue, you know? It's not a verb, Donald. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, he has said many times now that that's a word that's commonly used in uh, New York politics. Uh, he claims that they... A Yiddish, uh, I guess a derivative of a Yiddish word. I, I've not heard it used as a verb either, but uh, he says that it is. And I got to tell you, I've been watching <laughs> Los Angeles politics for a long time. I don't think I've ever heard no. the word, but no. very strange. Last question yeah. for you, Diane. What about mm-hmm. this idea of Bernie Sanders reaching out to Trump's voters to, to try to get them to switch? It doesn't seem like that would make a lot of sense, but he's going for it. Yeah, You know, I think at first, at, at, at first blush, it doesn't sound like a Bernie Sanders supporters and Donald Trump supporters would have much in common, but Bernie Sanders says that uh, Trump supporters should take a look at him. Like He says that yeah, this was in a pre-taped interview that aired on Face the Nation. He says that Trump has tapped into frustration and anger in Americans who are concerned about the economy and terrorism, and uh, Sanders says that, that anger is legitimate. Now, Sanders disagrees with what Trump has converted that into. Uh, Senator Sanders says that um, he's converted it into anger against Mexicans and anger against Muslims instead of anger against, you know, the economic situation that the country and those who are lower middle class and middle class might be in. But uh, Sanders tried to draw a sharp contrast between the two of them. But he sort of is saying, look, if, if, if you don't want to go with Trump because you're frustrated by maybe the way he's talking or some of the rhetoric or, hey, he doesn't win, you should look at me because 
I'm also angry yeah. about this very, economic situation. Very interesting. I, to me, the idea that Trump's people, who you think of as evangelicals, Tea Partiers, conservatives, that any of them would peel off over to Bernie, it's pretty weird. Hey, Diane Gallagher, thank you so much for your thoughts on this uh, story. Uh, we will follow it uh, with great interest. You have a great holiday. You do the same. Thank you. Thanks. 544 The Time, Talk Radio 790 KABC, Royal Oaks. In for Doug McIntyre. We do traffic on the fours. Time for Bill Thomas. Bill. Cause I got Pac-Man fever Pac-Man fever It's driving me crazy Driving me crazy I got Pac-Man fever 6.15 The Time Talk Radio 790 KABC Happy Monday to you all Royal in for Doug With news breaking minute by minute Count on 790 KABC To keep you up to speed Now with the addition of NBC4 News Including a simulcast of the NBC4 4.30 a.m. news Weekday mornings right before Doug and T-Ray, KBC adds SoCal's leading local TV news operation to CNN, AP, City News Service, and Westwood One as resources to better serve your news needs. Live and local, Talk Radio 790 KABC. So were you a big uh, gamer, uh, Rob? You uh, spent a lot of time on uh, World of Warcraft and uh, no, here's Call what of happened. Duty and all that? Here's what happened to me. I got involved in a, a real simple early uh, PC game called uh, Wolfenstein. It was about uh, freeing prisoners from the Nazis, and you got to kill a lot of Nazis. Simpler than, like, Pac-Man? It was kind of like, I mean, it was uh, took a mouse, and you pointed the gun, and you yeah. sh- shot. Okay. And then uh, when, uh, you know, Call of Duty came out, then it got a little bit more complicated, and, and pretty soon it kind of it lost me in my interest. I wanted something really, really simple. So, no, to answer your question in a shorter way, well, so you have escaped some problems yeah. that our next guest is uh, going to be talking to us about. Uh, we're uh, welcoming Frida Birnbaum. She's a research psychologist and author of What Price Power? An In-Depth Study on the Professional Woman. Frida, welcome to KBC. How are you? Thank you. How are you? Doing great, thank you. And uh, I, I know you've uh, you focused on a really important topic, and that's the issue of uh, maybe gaming going too far and, and being too important in people's lives. And, of course, we just uh, finished up with the Christmas season where uh, probably a, a jillion dollars were dropped on, on games. And uh, it, it seems like it's hard to find uh, folks uh, under 30 or 35 who, who aren't pretty serious about gaming. Yes, and it's uh, a huge addiction that we're actually looking to diagnose this problem, uh, especially with teens and preteens, because uh, they're facing consequences with this kind of behavior. And we've been hearing for years about how uh, gaming addiction is, is a problem, and people will compare it to, uh, to gambling and, and uh, drugs and so on. Do we have any idea, though, as to how frequent it is, how, what percentage of the population, I presume mainly we're talking about people under 30 or 40, uh, really are so interested in it that it's a problem in their lives? I hate to say this, but it's more often than not. This has, become, has replaced television, has replaced getting together with friends. Uh, so the population is up there, and uh, we're talking about addiction, where they can't get off of it. Addiction where, when we're talking about longevity uh, being at stake uh, for this generation, that they don't go out and see nature, uh, it's an epidemic. It's a, a huge concern here, and we have to start looking at this in a way that treatment uh, is crucial. 
We're talking to Frida Birnbaum, a research psychologist. So people say that video games can be especially addictive because of the stimulation they provide to the brain. And, I mean, that's what we've been told now for, for several years. Is that true? I mean, is that really just from a neurological or physiological standpoint? What's happening here is you just get, uh, you get the endorphins or, or you just feel so good uh, so many times about the, about the little victories adding up minute after minute, hour after hour. Is that, is that the big tug that, that games have on people? Exactly. And, you know, it's the right cortex that's actually affected by this. So it plays a role in imagination and suggestion, and you get a high from that. So it's, it's such a strong pull, it's difficult to get away from this. And also, how to transfer that high into something else has been studied, has been suggested, and parents are trying very hard. It's not as effective as we'd like it to be, but we are trying to transfer this into more social communication, trying to get these kids to join clubs, to do volunteer work, fishing, hiking, whatever that could be. But it's very difficult because they're not going to get that same high. So this is something that's wired in the brain, and we need to rewire this process uh, and reverse what's really going on. And so it will take time. So you try it, and it doesn't work. You try it, and it doesn't work. And then again, you're going to get this rejection from your child or your teenager. So it's going to be doubly difficult for a parent to feel that they're having any effect uh, with this kind of tug and pull situation. Yeah, and it must be hard to know what to do as a parent because you know you can try to do the cold turkey thing somehow, just cut them off. You can maybe get them into some counseling, but you know inevitably they're exposed to all their pals, and in most of the world isn't trying to stop at cold turkey or being counseled. And so they're they're you know if they're not doing it at home, they're probably going to be doing it at school or at their friends' places. Absolutely, there are kids that don't even get together because they can't game, they can't. Uh, play on the video with each other, so they prefer not to see each other. It's gotten so out of hand that social cues are not even being read appropriately as they get older, how to behave, how to feel comfortable with other people. You know, that's all a progression of events. And when you don't have that, then you shy away from it even more. So you have difficulty meeting new people, uh, you avoid public places and family. Uh, you escape from difficult emotions or memories. So this communication is a huge gap in the way our society is looking at each other and relating to each other. And, you know, uh, the stories pop up in the news, and one that you, you made us aware of is, is a Russian gamer. He's suing the makers of Fallout 4. He blames it for the loss of his wife and his job. He's a 28-year-old guy from Siberia. He's filed a lawsuit against the uh, video games developer, Bethesda, uh, and he's looking for $7,000 in damages because he wasn't warned that the game would become so addictive. So I guess maybe uh, warning labels are, are the next thing that's coming. You know, that's not so crazy. I mean, look what happened with the cigarette smoking when we first heard about it and then they put a warning up and then we thought that was over the top and then after a while it was something that was extremely essential and this is starting something that's extremely essential putting a warning sign you know addiction can be addictive to uh, gamers can shorten your life actually 
Yeah, wouldn't be surprised if some legislators uh, got behind the idea. Hey, Frida Birnbaum, research psychologist, author of What Price Power? An in-depth study of the professional woman. Thanks so much for joining us this Thank Monday you. morning. Thanks. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. 6.23 the time. Talk Radio 790 KABC. Royal Oaks in for Doug McIntyre. Come on, baby, tell me what's the word, word up. 6.57 the time. Talk Radio 790 KABC. Royal Oaks in for Doug McIntyre this week. And... Uh, Rob Marenko, well, are you probably a pretty good speller when you were a kid in school? Uh, pretty good? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but you're being real honest today. Did you have spelling bees where, you know, oh, everybody sure. stands oh, yeah, up and I then was... there's one kid? St- you know, they don't do yeah. that anymore because the teachers want everybody to be a winner. And right. spelling bees just Ninth have place ribbons. Sure. Yeah. So a lady in England, uh, uh, she's uh, in trouble because she's a bad speller. She uh, tried to kill her husband by poisoning his Christmas drink of sparkling fruit wine with antifreeze. Now... First off, wouldn't it, wouldn't you, I mean, talk about spitting out your pocket donut uh, like Bubba. <laughs> wouldn't you spit out your antifreeze laced drink? Has anybody ever tried to taste antifreeze? I mean, I wouldn't think that would work. Now, that, what kind of drink was this guy drinking? Yeah, it was a Lambrini. Uh, it's a cherry Lambrini. It's a drink favored by teenagers looking to get drunk on a low budget. Now, who knew that? <laughs> the uh, the Associated Press uh, uh, writer knew it, apparently. No, she tries to kill her husband, Douglas. Uh, he's age 70. She spikes his cherry Lambrini. <laughs> he's not a teenager looking to get drunk on a low budget. It probably tasted better. Maybe, yeah. They could only help it. Uh, and then uh, she gives a note to the ambulance service, and the note purports to be from her husband saying, do not resuscitate me. <laughs> so she's got it all covered. But here's what, where she had a problem. The, the forged note showed the misspelling of the word dignity. She spelled it D-I-G-N-E-R-T-Y, dignity. Okay? Yeah, that ain't right. How she spelled resuscitate, yeah, I'll never know. But anyway, so the cops were very clever. They took her aside and they said, would you please spell the word dignity for us? You know, dignity, you know, on a separate piece of paper. So she misspells it the same way the second time. Boom. They knew they had her. Uh, she's sentenced to three years in jail. Um... Uh, No, actually, the daughter, Catherine, joined the plot. She got three years in jail, uh, admitting to enticing her mother to poison her dad. I guess this guy must have been a really unpopular guy around around the house. He was drinking Lambrini's, for God's sake. That's true. The wife told the doctor she thought... You know, he may have drunk a blue liquid by mistake, uh, so <laughs> the hospital thought that was strange. She hadn't mentioned it to the police. But justice uh, prevailed. Uh, mom and daughter are in prison. 6.59 here on KABC. Stay with us. Do you know what those two are? You are the best thing on the radio! It's McIntyre in the Morning with Doug McIntyre and Terry Ray Elmer. 7.06 the time on a Monday morning. Royal Oaks in for Doug McIntyre. This is Talk Radio 790 KABC. The LA Kings are on a quest for a third Stanley Cup in five years as they take on Vancouver today at 6.30. Hall of Fame broadcaster Nick Nixon and former King Darrell Evans describe all of the action as Kings versus Canucks today at 6.30 on the home of the Kings, 790 KABC. You're, la- you you're laughing it's, at me, it's Rob. The, it's the Dick Nixon thing, the, isn't that's it? That's it. I, I can't say Nick Nixon without thinking of Richard Nixon. I, I think it's sort of an OCD thing. Okay. Nobody else. I, I've asked around. Nobody else has this problem. You don't have the problem, right, Rob? No, I just can't remember that guy's name over there <laughs> behind the glass. Randy, Randy, Wang. Right? Randy Wang is unforgettable. 
Uh, so the Kings are are in action. Uh, big hour, folks. So uh, we're going to be talking with uh, David Merritt about the uh, Trump on uh, phenomenon, and it's an interesting twist. Apparently, the studies are showing the more Trump is bashed, and there's a lot to bash him about, the more his supporters back him. So we're going to get an explanation for that. We're also going to be talking about how they've come out with a study saying that in about 10 years, many people's bosses will be robots. Can you imagine? You know, Great. you go show up at the office and, and you, you just can't stand your boss and, he, and he's a robot. There's nothing you can, you know, you can't poison him with a Lamborghini or a Lamborghini or whatever that lady was. You can throw a cup of water on him. Yeah, that's true. Watch him rust to death. That's true. Have just you talked to Fruit Cup. He sounds like a robot already. <laughs> it, it'd be kind of like the Wizard of Oz, you know, with sure. uh, throwing water on the Wicked Witch of the West. Mm-hmm. So we've been talking a little bit about emotional support animals. And uh, the details are, are really kind of fascinating in terms of how you get away with it and what the system is. Uh, there's a travel blogger named Elisa Ramos, and she's getting ready uh, for her trip to Fort Lauderdale, and she's got this system. Um, she has a carrying bag for her seven-pound Pomeranian named Oscar de la Ramos. <laughs> I don't know how she came up with that name. And she's got a knapsack filled with toys and treats to keep uh, his ears from popping. I'm not sure how that, how that works. <laughs> uh, unlike other dogs that are only allowed to travel zipped in the bags and stowed under a seat, Oscar is Elisa Ramos's emotional support animal, which allows him to cuddle with her during takeoff. So Ramos is uh, among the growing number of travelers who have had a lot of different kinds of pets deemed necessary to their emotional well-being. And it's a classification that falls under the Air Carrier Access Act. Did you even know there was uh, no such idea. a law? No. Okay. So there's this Air Carrier Access Act that says if you need an animal for your emotional well-being, no problem. Virtually, it will get into the exceptions, but virtually any animal is okay. The, the law was originally meant for those who could barely function without the support of an animal. But now it is broadly used by people who just enjoy the comfort of their pets. Do you know how much anxiety I get for having to pay $150 each way for my dog when I can get the emotional support certification for $150 a year? Yeah. And then I fly for free? Absolutely. It's a great deal. And a lot of people are taking advantage of it. And we, we talked about this miniature horse who wouldn't fit in, in coach, so they put him up in first class. And the airline made the horse wear little shoes so it didn't scuff the plane. But it pooped off. <laughs> All over. Can you imagine? You're sitting in first class, you're paying through the nose, and there's little Dobbin just, you know, letting loose all over first class. So doctor's letters, it turns out, can be purchased on the internet because you got to have got to have a doctor's note on this. Uh, but that's, you know, that's a way to kind of circumvent it. They're about as easy to get as a pot recommendation. Yeah. So it says the people who really need support animals despise people who fake it. They call it the Paris Hilton effect where people want to take their cute little dogs everywhere. So for a pet to be classified, as an emotional support animal, the owner needs a note from a licensed mental health professional like a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a social worker. And you've got countless sites on the Internet now providing emotional support vests, 
They will sell you the necessary letters for $59, $100, $150. The airlines are very compliant. Get this, Rob Marinko. If you get fined as an airline for refusing a legitimate support animal, your fine is $150,000. My goodness. So you're going to you're going to bend over backwards to uh, to let these so animals So airline own. company presidents must must have support animals <laughs> probably so, so. Yeah, they must be terrified now the wildlife can really get get wild though they've compiled some of these stories last december a woman had to deplane a u.s airways flight when her pot-bellied pig became disruptive if you can imagine oh sure why didn't they just give a little jack daniels to the pot-bellied pig uh <laughs> You know, that happens at Thanksgiving and Christmas all the time. If they were really cruel, they'd give it some bacon, too. (laughs) Ooh, that would be awful. You're sick. Uh, (laughs) A a man, now this is my favorite. A man once insisted that his emotional support monkey needed an emotional support bird. (laughs) (laughs) A monkey needs an emotional support bird. How do you know that... uh, Chico the chimp needs an emotional support bird. Monkeys could get anxiety. I guess so. I guess so. I got to stop hating. Well, listen, if you look at your monkey throwing feces, you know darn well that monkey needs some emotional help. (laughs) That's true, and they all do. We've seen multiple people want bunny rabbits. One woman said she needed five of them. Oh, come on. And the airline finally let her keep one in the cabin and waived the fee for the others, but made them ride in cargo. They probably froze solid, you know, (laughs) bunny cubes. Uh, Now, one nice thing. It isn't isn't anything goes. Arachnids and reptiles were outlawed as emotional support animals way back in 2008, which makes sense because if people are afraid of flying, probably even more people are afraid of a tarantula crawling up their leg. Yeah. So that that wouldn't be right. Well, the argument can be made. This is how ridiculous. When we start going down this road, I might be afraid of a horse pooping on me, and I would never think that I'd have to face that in first class. (laughs) I don't think I'd want it even in coach. I'd be afraid if you were in first class. Well, that's a whole different story. (laughs) Valid concern, though. So the uh, arachnids, your spiders and your reptiles, they cannot be emotional support animals. Uh, In one case, they say we had a woman who had an emotional support tarantula. And she had a lot of anxiety over takeoffs and landings. And tarantulas require a lot of focus, which took her mind off the problem, but it terrified passengers. Focus? Yeah. What do you mean, focus? I, I think you're just, you want to make sure the little guy doesn't escape. Because, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Sna- uh. Like snakes on a plane. Have you heard the phenomenon, by the way, of knockoff video movies that were created? Remember, Snakes on a Plane oh, was who very popular. That? Yeah, they Jackson, actually right. made a movie called Snakes on a Train that was nobody was in it you've ever heard of, total low budget, and it sold. It made money in the video stores because people browsing in the store said, oh, yeah, Snakes on a Train. That sounds good. That sounds like that movie I liked uh, right. with that star. <laughs> so. You know, I'm just making the suggestion, Rob. You All could right. uh, uh, gone with the broken wind. Whatever you, whatever you want to <laughs> come up with. Seven fourteen, the time. Talk radio, seven ninety K A B C. Donald Trump's head. Donald Trump's head. Oh, so precariously perched up there, you can't help but stare. At Donald Trump's hair. Seven fifteen, the time. Talk radio seven ninety K A B C. The place Royal Oaks in for Doug McIntyre this Monday morning. Isn't it funny? We used to 
We used to talk about Donald's hair all the time. Now we're talking about much more serious things when it comes to Donald Trump, like uh, maybe being president of the United States. Well, to help us sort this out, we're lucky to have David Merritt, political director at Luntz Global. David, good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. How are you? Doing great, thanks. Uh, gosh, the, the, the Donald Trump uh, saga just keeps rolling on. Uh, and, and one of the interesting twists uh, we're reading about here is that the more Trump is bashed, then the more his supporters back him, which may explain why he can get away with stuff that it seems like no other politician can get away with. What's your take? Yeah, we've actually done four different focus groups, national surveys, you name it. We've looked into it with Trump supporters, and that's exactly right. When, when they see him getting attacked, especially by uh, the media and especially by anyone estab- uh, uh, connected with the establishment in D.C., his supporters rushed to his defense. So there were only a couple of things that we found that truly crossed the line. Uh, the, the comment about John McCain, which is now ancient history, given what he said since then, right. was the only thing that gave his, his supporters pause. Everything else has been explained away. He's an entertainer. He's telling it like it is. He's, he's not taking any flack from the establishment. So they rush to his defense whenever he's attacked, no doubt about it. What about the gender issue? I mean, a lot of people on the Republican side are very concerned that there's so many sort of centrist, apolitical women who are going to see Hillary uh, as this historic figure. I mean, finally, after all these centuries, we're going to have a, a female president. And isn't, isn't Trump really skating on thin ice when he goes after Megyn Kelly the way he did, when he goes after Hillary talking about, oh, it was disgusting that she took a bathroom break? Uh, is that not going to really bite him in the end? I think, well, certainly Hillary Clinton will make it uh, bite, that's for sure. I mean, no one has really gone after him for offending women. I mean, we've seen commentators and we've seen the media go after him, but not in a sustained way. When Hillary Clinton and the DNC have him squarely in their sights, if he is the ultimate nominee, uh, that will be an absolute issue. And uh, but on the flip side, though, Hillary Clinton does not have the, the female vote locked up by any means. We've done a lot of research on her. Uh, she's been around forever, obviously. She um, has some issues with integrity, and voters really do have some misgivings. They have some concerns. Even lean, uh, Democrat voters... Um, have some concerns with Hillary's trustworthiness. So I, it's not, it, it will be a fair fight in that sh- they both have uh, serious flaws, uh, but no one has truly exposed Donald Trump's flaws to the degree that I think the Hillary Clinton campaign certainly will. We're talking with David Merritt, political director at Luntz Global. David, what about the electability issue? When I see uh, polls of head-to-head uh, Hillary versus uh, Rubio, Hillary versus Trump, it seems like Trump's not doing too well. I've seen 50 to 40 in favor of Hillary against Trump. I've seen Rubio beating her 48 percent to 47 percent. At some point, aren't Republicans going to have to take a serious look at the head-to-head numbers and say to themselves, look, this is a just-win-baby situation. Uh, We've had eight years of Obama. This is not what we're into. Another four or eight years of basically more of the same— Whatever it takes, we we got to do. Do you think the attention is going to shift to how Donald would do against Hillary? I think certainly um, every Republican wants to win in November. There's no doubt about it. Um, and I think the more uh, Trump is the only one who's actually a known quantity. I mean, most voters don't know Ted Cruz. Most voters don't know 
Marco Rubio, certainly any of the others, Ben Carson. Uh, they do know Trump, and I think that's why you see him lagging behind her in almost every poll. I mean, go back to May, and I think there's been three or four dozen head-to-head polls, and he has led in three of them. So he, she has a consistent lead. I think on average she's up about six or seven points. All the others are actually much closer than him, but I wouldn't put a lot of trust in them at this point because Hillary has not had her hands on Marco Rubio's record. She hasn't you know, gone after Ted Cruz. She has set her sights on Donald Trump uh, so far, and since he is a known quantity and, and she can really take some of the things that he has said and use them to her advantage, I think you see a, a pretty clear advantage for her at this point. With the others, I wouldn't put too much trust in those polls as of yet, because they aren't, aren't as known as Donald Trump. People have been talking about Hillary using her husband as kind of a secret weapon. He's really been in the background for months and months. If uh, you heard uh, that it's likely that he's going to be rolled out and hit the stump? And, and if, he, if he is, do you think it'll be more of an attack dog against Trump and some of the Republicans, or more just shoring up her support? Yeah, I think that he'll, well, he'll be used in both ways, I would think. Uh, but I don't think he really needs to be used at this point. I mean, she's really going through the motions. Um, she's going to be the nominee on the Democratic side. And I think Bill Clinton is a weapon that you can save for later. I mean, let's face it, if he were the candidate, if he were running for a third term, he would likely win. I mean, he is still incredibly popular, certainly with Democrats and even with independents. Um, so he's going to be a very, very effective weapon. But I think he's much better suited for a general election so looking at March, April, May, and, and through the summer, uh, he'll certainly be a, a very key and, and forward-facing uh, front person for her. You get the impression that Hillary fears Rubio more than the others. And I don't know that that's true, but, you know, he's young. Uh, she's not. He's Latino. Uh, he's more moderate than many of those, uh, you know, the, the guys like Huckabee and Cruz and so on. Is it your impression that, that, that her worst nightmare is, is that the Republicans coalesce around Rubio? I think that he throws in some variables that they do fear, absolutely. Uh, he does have appeal uh, really across the political spectrum. I mean, even on the, on the Republican side, he can be the, 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 the candidate that, that unites conservatives on the evangelical side, the social side the economic side as well as the national defense side. So on the Republican side, he can unite the party, I think, more so than any of the other candidates. And then his appeal to independence, you mentioned being Latino, you mentioned being young, being very articulate. Um, I think he definitely poses more of a threat to her than the others do at this point. Uh, but let's not forget, he was a Tea Party darling in 2010 for the first couple of years in the Senate. So he is a very conservative senator and has a very conservative record. So once Hillary and the DNC get their hands on his record, uh, they'll certainly take him down a peg. But I think he has the ability to overcome it. I think, though, he's perceived by the public as being more moderate. And when you look at the Republicans' track record, basically since the 50s, with the exception of Goldwater in 64 and Reagan in 80, uh, and 84, every nominee has been basically more from the moderate section of the Republican Party, and Rubio would be more consistent with that as opposed to the guys on his right. Well, certainly compared to a Ted Cruz or a Ben Carson, that's true. Who, who knows about Donald Trump? I mean, a lot of people say he's conservative. He, he, I don't know what he is, honestly. He has no core governing philosophy. He basically likes Obamacare. Well, he likes Donald Trump. I mean, at the right. end, he, he's a Trumpite more than anything. 
Um, but, but I think that Rubio does have the ability to appeal to a much broader audience than a Ted Cruz uh, or a, a Mike Huckabee. Uh, Donald Trump would really be the only wild card that could appeal across the spectrum, and he does. I mean, we've seen Democrats who actually um, are, are connected with Trump because of his outsider status and tell-it-like-it-is approach. Um, he could pull some independence as well, but I think I agree with you that, that Rubio has more appeal across the uh, political spectrum. David Merritt, political director at Lunds Global. Thank you for sharing your thoughts. You have a great day. All right, Royal. Thank you. Happy holidays. Thanks. 724 The Time, Talk Radio 790 KABC. Royal Oaks in for Doug McIntyre. Bill Thomas, how are the roads looking? The time, Duck Radio 790K ABC, Royal Oaks in for Doug McIntyre. Yeah, it's true. If you think your boss is a stiff now, just wait five years. Rob Marinko, robots are going to be running offices. <laughs> That's fine. You think you no, think we can we think we can live with that? I think Accenture Strategy, the big consulting firm, did a did a study and they said managers spend much of their day working on tasks that robots will do better in the future. Eight in ten managers spend a big part of their day planning and coordinating work, solving problems, monitoring and reporting performance, analyzing and sharing information. They say in five to ten years, really smart machines are going to be able to do most of these things more effectively than humans. So we're going to have driverless cars. Yeah. We're going to have driverless offices. Uh you know, it's going to be it's going to be strange. But I will bring my emotional support animal to the <laughs> office and have him, you know, relieve himself of the boss. Well, and let's rest him. let's be let's be real yes. here, Rob. You're not going to have to worry about this this robot thing coming oh, really? in. Yeah, because there's no way a, a pleasing computer generated voice could could read a, a CNN news feed. Oh wait, yeah. oh, oh oh wait a minute that. Uh, but uh, it's probably five or ten years hey, down listen, the road. Buddy, I wouldn't worry yeah, about it. It doesn't take a robot for me to get fired, okay? <laughs> I can do without the robot. I'm sure Thank you're you. going to say there's no way Rob could have a job in five years. <laughs> no, I think everything's going to be fine. Hey, I'm going to forget your name in another second, <laughs> okay? Again. <laughs> 7.29 the time. Talk Radio 790 KABC. Not a robot, but Rob Marinko with the headline. Wake up! Wake up! Get up now! Right now! It's McIntyre in the Morning with Doug McIntyre and Carrie Ray Elmer. 8.07 the time. Talk Radio 790 KABC. The place Royal Oaks in for Doug McIntyre this week. Hey, with news breaking minute by minute, count on 790 KBC to keep you up to speed. Now with the addition of NBC4 News, including a simulcast of the NBC4 4.30 a.m. news. Weekday mornings right before Doug and T-Ray, KABC adds SoCal's leading local TV news operation to CNN, AP, City News Service, and Westwood One as resources to better serve your news needs. Live and local, talk radio 790 KABC. Hey, we are delighted to be joined by Tom Girardi, a lawyer here in Los Angeles. So welcome, Tom, and Happy New Year to you. Hey, how are you? I'm doing great. Happy gr- New Year to you. I'm doing great. Merry Christmas as well. Uh, you all know Tom uh, Girardi. Uh, Girardi & Keys is the law firm. Over $10 billion in verdicts and settlements, uh, personal injury, defective products, environmental law, business law, employment law, and of course he's heard right here on KABC, Champions of Justice. So Tom, I want to talk uh, about the concussion case, but I also just want an update on the Brian Stowe case, folks. Remember about your representation of of Brian 
Man, uh, and you recovered nearly $20 million for him in that Dodger Stadium beating case. Uh, how is he doing? Uh, what's the update on him? You know, uh, Brian, every once in a while there's a good story out of all the terrible things that lawyers are confronted with, and uh, that's this one. Uh, Brian was able to get some proper therapy and so forth that the insurance companies had cut him off on, of course. But uh, due to some help, quite honestly, from our firm, he was able to get therapy. He's totally different. Now, believe me, he still has many, many problems. But Brian, he can understand things. He can express some thoughts. And he's totally changed to what he was. And we're really, we're really, really happy with that. No, that's wonderful news. Hopefully the verdict sent a message to Dodger Stadium and other sports venues. Is your sense that there's more attention being paid to safety now as a result? You know, uh, Brian, every once in a while you do something in life that maybe can help the guy you represent but also maybe help other people. There's a total change at Dodger Stadium, and more importantly, Several stadium lawyers, uh, lawyers who represent stadiums across the country, have contacted me to say, listen, what should we be doing to make sure we don't have a Brian Stowe? What are the areas that we're vulnerable in, et cetera? So I think this, this case, although it was helpful to Brian, uh, quite honestly maybe is helpful to a lot of other of us that enjoy baseball games huh that's great hey let's talk about the concussion situation a huge news story i mean it keeps uh, keeps uh, uh, bubbling up in in the news surveys about uh, the devastating effect of concussions on uh, football players bless you're hearing about soccer uh, soccer kids and so on what's the status of that big nfl uh, concussion case well it's uh, somewhat up in the air uh, we argued before the court of appeals about a month ago, and they're going to come down with the decision, either uh, blessing the settlement that's in place or not. And, you know, Brian, the settlement is not something that lawyers will jump up and down and say, we did it. Uh, there's some, you know, there's some serious issues there in that things like uh, temper and depression and so forth don't get compensated for, which is, of course, a sign of concussion. And on the other hand, the lawyers who represent the players, and we're one of the major firms, we can't be too cocky because there's a real legal issue that you would understand, Royal, really well. The players are all members of the players' union. They agree to be bound by the agreements of the players' union. Right. And the players' union has an agreement with the NFL that uh, the players will not sue the NFL. And so this little motion is hanging out there. It was placed off calendar by the trial judge, and the trial judge said, why don't you uh, people go try to see if you could resolve this case? And so then back and forth the negotiations. And so now we're going to see what the Court of Appeals does with the uh, settlement, and I think the Court of Appeals will, in fact, uphold it. And then these players who've been very badly hurt, and Brian Boy, there are a bunch of them that are badly hurt. Well, we'll be watching it uh, closely. It's just such a a big, tragic story. Hey, uh, we're talking with Tom Girardi of Girardi Keys here in Los Angeles. Tom, what about tort reform? I know you've been at the center of that. I mean, there's been so much talk, and it's it's impossible, really, to reach a consensus. But, I mean, you want to strike a balance between, on the one hand, discouraging frivolous suits that, that can bankrupt small businesses, and yet, at the same time, make sure injured people don't get rolled over by by powerful interests. So what's your take on that? You know, the um, 
all of the tort reform stuff is all powerful interests. You know, the, the people who are harmed by the bad conduct of somebody else, you put out a defective product, you, you have a fucking trailer that's going 70 miles an hour in a 20-mile zone, all those things that harm people, most people should be compensated. That's all there is to it. And then the talk about, you know, greedy lawyers and so forth, under the law, the people who are responsible don't pay any legal fees. It's the injured person who pays the legal fees. So if you're entitled to $1,000, you get $1,000, but you have to pay the lawyer. And so all this stuff about tort reform is just an insurance and big company sort of situation to harm people. Now then, on frivolous suits, if they're frivolous suits, you know, that's what good judges are for, to get the heck, get rid of them and sanction a lawyer if you're doing that. But that isn't, a, that isn't a case at all. The real issue is if they can get everything down here so that people can't recover for damages that they truly have received due to the conduct, bad conduct of somebody else, it's a bad situation. Now, Tom Girardi, i got to ask you this last question about the real housewives of Beverly Hills because <laughs> your lovely wife, Erica, is a new star on the show, and I've seen you on the program as well. It looks like you're both having fun on the tube. Well, I told them uh, that they could do the back of my head twice, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> and I did get roped into a couple of those, but uh, primarily this is her deal, and it's been very interesting for her. And I think that it definitely helps her career as a singer. She's now been asked to perform on New Year's Eve in Denver, and uh, she has a, a new song coming out and five others on the way. And so I think it's really good for her. Well, your wife, Erica Jane, is a tremendous talent, and you're a great sport to, to uh, participate in that. And it's nice with all the serious stuff going on in life. It's nice that you guys have that uh, as well as a wonderful outlet. You're wonderful, Royal. Thank you so much. You have a happy New Year, Tom Girardi. You too, pal. Take care. Bye. 814 The Time, Talk Radio 790 KABC, Royal Oaks in for Doug McIntyre. We do traffic on the fours. Let's te- check in with Bill Thomas. Baby, come back. Fifteen, the time. Talk radio, seven ninety K A B C. Royal Oaks. In for Doug McIntyre this lovely Monday morning. Nice, relaxed week. So, Rob Marinko, you're a happily married guy, of course. So you this don't isn't need, a trick question. You, is no, it no, you don't need to worry about deal breakers, relationship I, deal breakers. Not now, no. But, but when folks are, you know, courting and you know, on the dating scene, they got to worry about the what the deal breakers are. And I happen to have here Uh-oh. the top ten, the, oh, no. the the biggest deal breakers. Number ten, we're yep. going to. This is, you know, number one, of course, is is the the biggest. But number ten on the list is uh, talks too much talks too much. So that's a problem that can be a deal breaker. Mm-hmm. Just uh, curious, would you g- have a guess as to whether women or men complain more about the, the partner talking too much? Well, in my particular case, and I know some other guys, uh, I definitely talk too much. So I would say that's a complaint common most among women. Mm, no, men. Yeah, yeah. 26% of men say this is a deal breaker. She, she right? gabs too much. Only 20% of women. Yeah, women probably like the strong silent tape. Uh, huh. Yeah, so that's okay. okay. So number nine on the I, list. I'm the weak, chatty type. Okay, <laughs> number nine on the list. Too stubborn. 
too stubborn. That is a relationship deal breaker. Now, would you guess women or men would more commonly complain uh, about that? Women probably complain about men's stubbornness. You're, you're right. But actually, it's close. 34% of women say that's a problem, 32% of men. So, well, I'm not coming off that number. I think I'm still right. <laughs> okay. All, all right. right. I got it. Uh, number eight on the list, too much video games and TV. Too much time spent with, with the tube and the screen. Uh, would you think guys or gals would be uh, more commonly uh, complaining about well, that? Well, i got to tell you something. Since I discovered Homeland on Netflix, oh, yeah. uh, on Amazon Prime, actually, uh, yeah, I think I watch way too much TV, and my wife probably Yeah, Claire Danes is terrific. Yep. Mandy Patinkin's okay. Uh, not bad. Yeah. All right, so um, women complain women much complain more. more. 41% of women say this is a deal breaker. Only 25% of guys uh, complain about women spending uh, too much time in front of the screen. Yeah, guys enjoy the break. Yeah. Did, did I say that? <laughs> Number seven, lacks confidence. Now, who? that's a deal breaker. Who do you think would more commonly complain lacks about lacking confidence? confidence? Yeah. Uh, well, I would think that women would prefer to be with men who right. had a lot of confidence. Yeah, your instinct is right. There, 47% of women say lacking confidence is it. Only 33% of guys complain. All right, number six, bad sex. Bad sex is a deal breaker, Rob. So who do you think complains more about it, guys or gals? Guys would be just happy with any sex. So i, I got to say that probably women would complain. Well, you're going with the stereotype, but you're right. 50%, yeah. 50% of women complain about it and only 44% of uh, men. Uh, number five lives too far away. Uh, that's geographically that's undesirable. Yeah, geographically. Oh, undesirable. I, I got to say, I think men would complain more about that. A little bit more, fifty-one to forty-seven. Yeah. All right, number four, no sense of humor. You don't have that problem, uh, I know, but uh, it's a deal breaker. It's the number four deal breaker among relationships. Uh, now, well, who, who would be more likely to complain? I, guys I think or gals? Uh, guys are always making uh, jokes and and goofing around, and probably they're. You know, they, they wish their wives would have more of a sense of humor, right? No, no. Actually, no? it's women. 58% oh. of women say this is a deal breaker. If he's got no sense of humor, only 50% of huh. guys really care about it that much. Number three, too needy. He or she is just too needy. And in the case of Caitlyn Jenner, I guess they're both too needy. Uh, wh who do you think would be more commonly complaining hmm. about being too needy? That's tougher. Let me see. Uh, I would imagine, oh, wow. I, maybe women would complain because men shouldn't be needy, and, and if right. they're even a little needy, that would You're bug right. their women. By a huge margin, actually, sixty-nine percent yeah, of women say sense. he's too needy. Only fifty-seven percent of guys say she's too needy. Yeah. All right, here we go with number two on the list: lazy. Being lazy mm -hmm. is a deal breaker in relationships these days. Now, who's the uh, who's the side that's going to complain most, men or women? Well, uh, women don't seem to understand that men, uh, much of the time, would rather stay on the couch uh, than make the coffee. So, uh, yeah, I think that women would complain more about men's You're right. Laziness. You're right. Seventy-two percent of women say it is a deal breaker when the guy is lazy. Yeah. Only sixty percent of men complain that the the ladies are too lazy. All right. So now we're up to number one. All right. We don't have a drum roll, but we have number one on the list of deal breakers. Disheveled. disheveled, disheveled. Are you surprised that that was number one? Well, yeah. even being in radio, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised because you know I spent a lot of time being disheveled. Professionally. People do not want to be with a mate who is disheveled. Now, so the the final question uh, is: Is it men or women? Well, b b women would complain about men being disheveled. You got it. You yeah, got it. Seventy-one percent of the gals say no, this is a deal breaker, and sixty-three percent of men. Men aren't real fond of the ladies being disheveled either. Well, 
I don't want to shave every day. Well, you know, you, you, or you could just raise that beard and... Uh, or comb your hair or brush your teeth either. Look at Paul Ryan. He, you know, he, he grew a beard. Uh, is, that, is that still on? Or is he still appearing? <laughs> I think it so. It was popular. Remember, <laughs> who was the guy? Josh, uh, was it Josh Ernest or his predecessor uh, as the spokesman for the president? But eh, they usually don't stick around too mm-hmm. long. All right, now you now you got the the straight scoop on the deal, lawbreakers. Uh, Eight twenty one, the time. Talk radio seven ninety K ABC. Royal and for Doug to stay with us.